0: Praise the Lord and welcome to the broadcast today, Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. Glad that you're with us today as we'll be digging in onto our initial study of 1 Peter. We'll be in chapter 1 today and uh, it's going to be a great time in the Lord. Let me say that tonight at 6 p.m. we will be having a praise and worship service. Uh, here at 6 p.m., and uh, the youth will pretty much be doing uh, all the music. Angel Peace leading that, and and other young people. But it will be streamed live. And uh, again, it's at 6 p.m. A praise and worship service this evening, right here at Crossway Church. If you're anywhere in the area, come on out. Let's praise and worship our faithful Lord. And it will be streamed live for you. And uh, we're excited about what the Lord is doing. All over the world, as he is preparing his church to go home, Hallelujah! Uh, this is going to be a wonderful Bible study, uh, and I've I've never really taught First uh, or Second Peter. Uh, I've written commentary on both of them, verse by verse, and uh, the both of those. Uh, Commentary writings are on our website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Click on the store icon, and both of those commentaries are available for you. And uh, there, Uh, but we're going to endeavor to uh, teach on 1st and 2nd Peter. The Lord will probably have come for us before we get through with this teaching, and that will be great. But today, 1st Peter uh, chapter 1 we're going to dig into this, and there's just so much uh, in this that the Lord gave to us through uh, the Apostle Peter. Peter was uh, quite a character, quite a man, and uh, had a heart for the Lord. And I want to to begin this today, I want to read some things I, I went and captured, uh, and there's much more than this concerning Peter. But I want to just read what I went and just took a few moments to capture concerning Peter from the scriptures before we dig in. Just to show you what kind of man he was to some degree and all the, not all, but a lot of the experiences that he had with the Lord or because of the Lord. So let, let me read some of these to you, and they're all scriptural. They all came, come right out of the Bible, so you'll find them, mostly if you read the book of Acts and, and the Gospels. But Peter was arrested uh, and was saved by an angel and returns to preach in the temple and is arrested again. Peter is one of those folks that just didn't have much quit in him. And uh, the Jewish leaders ask Peter to discontinue preaching. Peter boldly testifies of Jesus Christ anyway. Peter sees a vision of unclean and clean animals, which leads to the gospel being taken to all the world. You know the story of Peter having a vision and Cornelius, uh, the story of Cornelius. Peter heals a lame man at the gate of the temple. Peter confronts a couple about breaking their covenant of consecration. Both the man and the woman die. We know that story well. Peter and John go to Samaria to give the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter rebukes Simon for wanting to purchase priesthood power or purchase the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, Peter delivers his first recorded public discourse. Peter heals Ananias and raises Dorcas from the dead. Now we're talking about what the Lord Jesus Christ did by his Spirit through this man, Peter, the Apostle Peter. Peter delivers his second recorded discourse calling the Jewish leaders to repent and believe in Jesus Christ whom they had killed. Peter's power is so well respected that people flock to fall under his shadow to be healed. We're talking about a man who, though made many mistakes, was used by God greatly. And that ought to encourage us because one thing's for sure, we've made many mistakes. uh, And the next thing that's for sure is God won't throw us out and he'll keep using us just like he did Peter, maybe not in the same avenue degree, but he will use us according to his will no matter or in spite of our inadequacies or shortcomings or or every time we fall, he's there to pick us up and to keep using us along the way. Peter cut off the guard's ear. Peter walked on the water. Peter was rebuked by Jesus and called Satan. Remember when Jesus told uh, Peter get behind me Satan uh, told him he f- you favored the things of men more than the things of God and Peter, Peter knew how to receive a rebuke remember Peter was rebuked of Paul in Antioch and told that he was to blame for, for leading others into hypocrisy Galatians chapter 2 uh, Peter saw Jesus transfigured on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, saw his body glorified right there. And uh, Peter ran. And in, in that setting on Mount uh, of Transfiguration, if you read that story, you'll see where Peter thought it was just, man, this is it. This is beautiful. This is it. And, and, and he, he wanted to just let us build tabernacles here. And the Bible says... While he thus spoke, the Lord interrupted him and said, this is my son, interrupted Peter and said, this is my son, hear him. And uh, Peter reminds me of me sometimes, always trying to talk too much instead of listening to the Lord. Uh, But the Lord will interrupt us. The Lord will interrupt us because what he's got to say is of utmost far more importance than what we think or what we've got to say. But Peter ran to the grave after initially uh, not believing the women or just thinking they're coming with tales, idle tales about the grave being emptied and Jesus being raised. And so Peter jumps up after the initial thought of, "Nah, I don't think so, and runs to the grave and finds it empty. So, And there are more that we could uh, go and find about this Peter. Peter was uh, quite a man who desired to serve the Lord and and walk with the Lord. And in spite of all the mistakes he made, in spite of all the corrections he had to go through, the Lord was still there using him, even his denial of Christ three times. Christ goes and finds Peter after he's resurrected from the dead. And you know the story, asked Peter three times, do you love me? And, uh, you know, that was, uh, it might have seemed to Peter like the Lord was uh, just pouring alcohol on a wound, open wound that he already had and, you know, feeling condemned about denying the Lord three times. But the Lord was, wasn't doing that at all. He was trying to heal the broken wound and, and trying to replace, uh, uh, you know, uh, redeem the time. Yeah, that's in the past. You You denied me. What matters is now, and if you love me, Feed my lambs, hallelujah. And so there's a lot of things we could read about and discuss about Peter, and we may along the way, but but Peter was used by the Lord. I personally believe, uh, if not the greatest, one of the greatest things uh, that God, our Lord, has ever used Peter uh, to do is to write these words of Life and liberty and instruction for us today. I believe that. I believe this if this could possibly be the greatest thing the Lord used Peter to do is to write these words of life and liberty for, so that you and I might have them today. He writes uh, here in chapter one verse one of first Peter, he writes and he says, I'm Peter, This is Peter writing to you. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm a messenger of my Lord Jesus Christ. That's what apostle really is. It's one that comes with a message, comes with power. And the right message is comes with the right power, hallelujah. And But Peter, he was one of the apostles. He He's one of the ones that Jesus chose to walk with him and follow him and watch all that he would do and listen to all that he would say. And and he was an apostle, and th- though there be apostles today, they're in a different category than than Peter and the and the twelve. Then they, uh, to, you know, they had the authority given by the Lord Himself to write Scripture. To write words on paper that that the Lord would give them, that could bring faith to our hearts and 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 allow us to have a, a greater light of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to be able to see the path more clearly, and the understand our God better, to understand him, to know him better. You know, uh, the Lord said through the prophet Jeremiah, you tell my people if they're going to boast, boast in this, that they know me and understand me. And so that's what the word of God enables us to do by his spirit to know him and to understand him. And we don't know everything about God, but we know he loves us and that he sent his son to save us. And that in his son, Jesus Christ, all the promises are there to us and for us. And and we know that we're God's children purchased with the blood of Jesus. And, and we understand these things. We know him because he foreknew us. And we're about to get into that this morning. Uh, it's going to be a good study, and I encourage you to get your Bibles and, and, and your, even your pencils and your paper and write down some things and go back and look over uh, what you hear. So many people just listen and don't do anything with what they've received. I remember when I first began to study God's Word in 1994, I would go and buy little booklets about John or Matthew or Mark and or or whichever book of the Bible it was. And inside those booklets there was scripture there and commentary there. And then there were blanks there for me to uh read the question and answer the question based on what I read. And and I, I really look at that as more of a study than just sitting and hearing. Because the more, more of your senses are involved, you not only are hearing the word with your ears, you're seeing it with your eyes, and you're writing certain things the Lord moves on your heart to write. And I promise you, that will benefit you. Uh, that, I said, that will benefit you. I remember as a, a young, younger, much younger man being uh, the leader of the youth, and and i loved going to youth camp in the morning times there were those uh 30 minute half hour to 40 minute sessions where all the all the kids all the young people were in this sanctuary but they were spread out they weren't sitting just all bunched there was there had to be some distance between everybody and just some background worship instrumental music was playing and and everybody had their bibles in their laps and and, and just in the word of God, asking the Lord to show us, show us, his word for us, show us, guide us into his word, speak to our hearts. And I'll never forget those moments. They were so special, and they played a part in even the way that the Lord has uh, constructed in my life, my study time, and and just to listen, to look at the word of God, and to listen and, and take in my hand uh, uh, something to write with and write down what he is ministering to me. And, and that doesn't have to be the way everybody studies, and it's not. But it's just as long as we're hearing the Lord and following his leading. And I believe during this teaching of First Peter that the Lord is going to open up so many eyes. And I believe that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is going to rest upon uh, this teaching as well as wherever the word of God is being taught in the light of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For from there comes the wisdom and the revelation of God's Son that we have faith, the one that we have faith in, the one that we know our God through, the one that makes the all the Word appear to us in its true meaning and true light, true revelation is Jesus Christ and Him crucified every jot and tittle must be looked at through the blood of Jesus and as we see in this first chapter in this first verse of Peter he says he's an apostle of Jesus Christ he's this messenger that comes with me- with with a message and, and 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 when god has a message in the heart of his people there will be power there not only to deliver that message but for those who believe the message will also uh, experience the power through faith in that message. But he's writing this, and and, and don't make a mistake, my friend, and think this is not to you and me just because we're not the strangers that were scattered then throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. Uh, This is to us as well because verse 2 says... The elect. We are the elect as well today. But this was written specifically in that time uh, to a people in that time. Uh, You have to understand (coughs) that even under the old covenant and things, some of the things written in the new covenant were written to people at that time living in that moment under those conditions but there's nothing new under the sun there's nothing new under the sun uh so that it's called uh, i forget what they call it first reference second reference something like that like the prophets would declare something that was real for them in that hour but it also pointed to christ he said that that the scriptures were about him the volume of the book was written of him uh, but, the, but, the, but the prophets didn't only speak of that which was to come. Uh, they spoke of that which was to come in their day and that which was to come many days later on a hill called Calvary. So it's the first reference, second reference, and, and that's what we, we can say about this writing. This, although this is written to New Covenant people, when it was written, it was specifically writ- written to what we've heard before, that phrase we've heard to the strangers, but you've heard that phrase, the exiles of the dispersion. When, when Jesus gave his life, was buried, and resurrected on, uh, uh, on the third day, uh, Jews were still being saved. You need to understand that Jews were still being saved. Uh, in that day, pretty much most of whoever was being saved during that time were Jews. Uh, uh, Gentiles would begin to be saved, and of course, here we are today. But when when the Jewish people would be, become believers in Christ, they would be dispersed Everywhere because the Jews that were still hung up under the old, uh, the law of Moses, uh, the letter of the law, and refused to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, then then they they expelled them. They got rid of them. They didn't want anything to do with them for the most part. Uh, But again, there were, now I mean that, for the most part, Um, almost all the Jews of that day rejected Christ. There was very few that received the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us. But they were not even all Jews. Those were people who came from all over the place, uh, the surrounding regions. So in that day, for a Jew to accept Christ... Uh, in, in the rest of the Jews' mind, he was no longer a Jew. So you're expelled. You're out of here. Families got rid of their own, own family members. you got to get out of here. You know, this guy came along, this Jesus, he just rejected and refuted the teaching of Moses and doing things on the Sabbath day and all those things. And, and, and uh, they, I mean, these were, again, let me quote this phrase to you, they were exiles of the dispersion a great dispersing, a great scattering, if you will, of Christians because of their faith in Christ. Uh, To some degree, that's happening even among what's called Christianity today. A lot of it is true Christianity, but there is a dispersing now and a gathering back to the sacrifice, and it's causing no small stir in the body of Christ. Uh, uh, God says in Psalms chapter 50, verse 5, i gathered my people together unto me that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And so God is calling his people back right now to their first love. And he doesn't expect you to ever leave again and have to be called back again. If you leave, he will call you to repentance, to return to your first love, back to the, the focus of Calvary and what Christ did there for us. But he doesn't expect us to leave there. So these Christians of the earliest of the early days of the early church were dispersed all over the land, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And there were other places as well that they were dispersed. But it was because of their faith in Christ. They believed He is the Son of God. They believed He came to take away their sin. They believed that He is the door into the new covenant. He is the door into the new. And uh, that that they believed what He taught. And, and they believed... Uh, because they saw his miracles and they believed what he said. The words he spoke that even Jesus in John 6 said, the, word, the flesh will profit you nothing, but the words that I speak. They are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. So this letter, we have to understand this, was written to a specific group of people in that day. But it's also written to the entirety of the body of Christ. When you start to, hear me now, when you start saying that was written to them and it can't pertain to me at all, that's dangerous ground. Everything in the Bible should have some effect on all Christians. Even the things that were written under the Old Testament should affect us to some degree in the right way. Because everything back then no longer uh, no, n- just because we no longer live under the law of Moses doesn't mean that we don't recognize that which was all folded up then in Christ as being unfolded now to us, and all of the words spoken under the old covenant were folded up and hidden in the mystery of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, as we accept Him. As our Savior, the veil is removed. And as long as we keep our faith in the sacrifice, that which opened our eyes, God continues to unfold all the things of the old and bring all the treasures of the old into the new to, to fill up the new and to allow the new covenant to be as full as he desires it to be in our hearts. Hallelujah. So this is written to us, and we recognize that because what verse 2 tells us, that he calls them elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ Colon, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And there is so much so much meat in this second verse, and and I'm sure we probably won't even get out of it today, but let's begin to dig into it and look at what the Lord might pour into our hearts today. I believe the Lord desires to give you truth, to show you truth, so that you can be led by him into truth. And the Bible says, he that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. It takes hearing truth to be able to be led by the Lord in the path of righteousness. He leads, Proverbs 8 and 20, in the paths of righteousness. He won't lead in any other path, and he can't lead even his own people in the paths of righteousness if if, if his own people aren't responding to the truth he's speaking to them. Truth has to always be attached to the one who is the truth. And really that's the Lord Jesus Christ who in John 14, 6 declared he is the truth. But also in 1 John chapter 5, we find that the spirit is truth. Because it takes the spirit, it takes the truth to get you into truth. Mm. But we That's one of those things you need to get that pencil picked up and write it down and let the Lord begin to show you how to meditate in these things. It takes the truth to get you in the truth. We can prove that by what Paul told the folks in Galatia, one of the places Peter's writing to here, and, 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 and reminding them that, you you, you know, or telling them, uh, or you've been bewitched. Who bewitched you that you no longer are obeying the truth? You see, we got our beginnings in the truth. It was knowing the truth that made us free from sin. You understand that? John 8, 32, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free from sin. And it was our, our beginnings with the Lord was recognizing the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of what he did on Calvary's cross because it takes both those things to be involved in the experience of being made free through your knowledge of the truth. Jesus said he's the truth, but it takes the application of his death in your heart for you and I to be made free. It's the blood of Jesus that made us free. So that's what it is about knowing truth that makes us free is knowing Jesus is the son of God that laid his life down on Calvary's cross so that when you know him John seventeen3 that is eternal life, my friend, because you believe upon him as the scriptures has said what what does that mean? you know and this is why rivers of living water are not flowing out of it's rare to find rivers of living water flowing out of Christians today because they don't, they're not believing. They might have. I'll be ministering on this Sunday morning the continuity of Calvary. They, they might have believed or they might be looking forward to heaven, but now faith is. And we must b- believe on Jesus today as the scriptures have said. And the rivers of living water will flow from within our innermost being. Hallelujah. We need to understand these things. We need to know these things. What's damming up the river? Although we're believers in Christ, we must believe on Him as the Scriptures have said. And the Scriptures portray Jesus as a coming Redeemer, a coming Savior. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. The first promise of redemption was of the one who would come and be bruised at the enemy's hands but would also save us from our sins. He would, save, he would crush the enemy's head. He would save us and it would be through a sacrifice. So we must believe upon Jesus as the scriptures have said and when we do, we'll find the power of God at work in our lives in, 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 in the ways that are listed right here through sanctification of the Spirit. But we are uh, elect. We are elect according to the knowledge God had before time were set in motion. It doesn't say that we're the elect according to the forepicking of God. It says what he knew. What he knew, he foreknew. Doesn't say the forepicking, the forechoosing, the foreknowledge. The and we need to get this right because if we don't get the foreknowledge part right of God, then we we will mess up our, our, a lot of theology of the of the New Testament written there. So we are elected by grace through faith, Ephesians two eight. We're saved by grace through faith. It takes faith. Those are, things are not of ourselves. They're the gift of God. But we always have to remember, it doesn't matter what your grandmother told you or, or, or what you thought beforehand. When you see scriptures that blatantly tell you something, that come right out and tell you something and you see that, do not change it. Do not change it because of what you have been taught in the past. God's Word means what God's Word says. And when we see scriptures that say it's not God's will that any should perish, that means it was never God's will that any be lost. That means that in God's will, He never set in motion anybody. It was never His will, never His plan to send anybody to hell. If you get that, you can begin to understand Scripture better than ever before. But there's a lot of this false predetermination, false pre-election, false thinking about all this falls into place of this, this uh, 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 once saved, always saved, they call it. Or what's the other thing they call it? Uh, uh, this false teaching of predetermination. Predetermination. Uh, uh, this this uh, uh, eternal security that that is uh, uh I can't think of the word right now but 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 oh unconditional eternal security oh no my friend it, it comes with conditions and that's for everybody. it's conditioned on will you believe whosoever will believe whosoever will call on the name of the Lord whosoever will believe and remember, It has never been God's will for anybody to be lost. We understand that. Jesus tasted death. Here's Hebrews 2 and 9. Jesus tasted death for all men by the grace of God. It's Jesus died for all people. See, if you believe that false stuff, you'll listen to ministers tell you Jesus didn't really die for everybody just those that would believe upon him. That's not true. He is the last Adam that represented every man that would ever live, woman that would ever live. The first Adam represented all. The last Adam offers himself as a loving sacrifice on Calvary's cross as the last representative man of all humanity. The Bible says he tasted death for all men. So you just got to stick with that. Whatever else you've had wrong, whatever else you've thought out there, you got to let the Holy Spirit teach you the truth about those other things. No, no, don't run to some preacher that'll tell you, well, the Bible really. No, no, you're not going to do well if you do that. Yeah, we can run to ministers and we can ask for help and understanding and, 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 and teachers and preachers, pastors and, and others in the body of Christ, but if they take what the Bible just blatantly literally says and tells you, well, it really don't mean, then you, you have to stay away from those people because they do not really have ears to hear. Those that have ears to hear accept God's word as it is written. And, and we won't get into all the different this and the different that, because all the Bible Jesus said is about him, written concerning him. Luke 24, 44 through 46, uh, uh, Psalms chapter 40, verse 7, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, Luke uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 5, verse 38 and 39, and Jesus is our Genesis. He's our Revelation. He is the living Word of God. And so everything's got to start with Him. For us at Calvary, it's got to end with Him. Hallelujah. All things are by Him, for Him, through Him, and will return to Him on their knees to declare him as Lord. We need to understand that. So we've been elected. This letter is to the elect. You, if you're a Christian, you've been elected by the grace of God through the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been elected by God by grace through the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we heard that gospel convicted of our sins, guilty of sin, we accepted that way out of guilt and condemnation, the way out of a journey headed running fast to hell, and now we are the children of God. We've been elected by grace through faith. And that not the not, not, not of yourselves, But the gift of God. But nevertheless, we had to believe in. Christ, meaning in his death. Ephesians 1, 4 tells us that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. This is is where they mess, but it says in him. Let's look at that together today. I didn't plan on it, but let's do it. It's a Bible study. We're not in a hurry. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, According as he has chosen us, In Him, see, there's the cross in our believing. There's the cross in Him. In Him means absolutely nothing outside of in the death of Jesus. When you try to tie something else to that, you got false doctrine. In Christ means in His death. And we know that for many reasons. As you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, Colossians 2 and 6, Therefore, walk ye in him. You received him through faith in his death, and I love this. When the Lord saw you believing in the death of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, He took you and immersed you into that death. Romans 6, 6 and 7, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We were crucified with him. We died with him. We're dead, hidden with Christ in God. We we were immersed into the proper place our faith went which was in Christ, meaning in his death, we were immersed, baptized, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 tells us, into the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's good stuff. Where God sees that proper faith, that object of faith, that's where he takes you, in Christ. That's why all Christians must keep their faith In Christ, in the death of Christ, in the place that God chose them before the foundation of the world, according Ephesians 1 and 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Notice also that in love is based on in him. If we walk with our faith in him as it was when we began, because God's always calling his people back to where you started. <laughs> Jesus, is he is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. And if we're going to walk along the way with him, we have to keep our faith in, in what it was in, in the beginning, that meaning in his death, hallelujah. Glory be to God. And that's where he Saw those that would believe because it's not His will. God didn't create billions to cast into hell, He created billions to be His people. But He saw, He foreknew who would never receive Him. I recently read about a, 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 a from, oh, long, long ago, far beyond any of our days, some uh, German scientist that was a, a, a an atheist, he claimed, and, and, and he told a preacher, he said, I don't care if God come and stood right before me, I would, I would not believe in him just that much more. Because some people, like Pharaoh we see, God used Pharaoh, but he used Pharaoh's hardened heart. The Bible says God hardened his heart. You see, if we don't understand that it's not God's will for any to perish, we'll take that and mess that up. We'll mess that up. We'll mess up when the Bible says that the Lord hated Esau and loved Jacob. We'll mess all that up if we don't understand that it's not God's will for any to perish, that Jesus was sent to cover all the sins of all the world, hallelujah, and did do that. If we don't understand those things, then we will, our minds will be carried off into some prideful avenue of God chose me, but he didn't choose them. No, God chose those he foreknew, those he saw believing in Christ Jesus. Yeah, he will harden the heart of many people and use them in many ways, different ways. Like Pharaoh, the Bible says he hardened Pharaoh's heart. But why? He just didn't come along and say, well, I'm just going to find somebody I can harden their heart. No, he, he found someone that he knew would never believe in him. And he chose that man to harden his heart to make an example of, his, of, of God's glorious power through him. You have to understand these things. You can't believe that stuff about God just created Pharaoh and and never gave Pharaoh even a chance to believe he's just destined to go to hell. He never had a chance. No, everybody's got a chance because it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus tasted death for all men by the grace of God. You just keep your heart trusting in what the Bible says and ask the Holy Spirit to help you with the other things that you don't understand, and he will, remembering it takes truth to reveal truth. It took Jesus coming full of grace and truth to reveal truth, to get us in the truth. He had to die as the truth of God to get us in the truth of God and as long as we keep our faith in where we began we will walk all the way through this journey in the truth of Christ and him crucified allowing God's word in that light to be the light to our path of righteousness and then at the end of the journey we'll still be believing in the one who is the truth that saved us in the truth Hallelujah. Glory be to God. That's good stuff. So back to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Uh, We're elected by grace through faith according to what God foreknew. The knowledge God had before the world was set in motion. Well how many of you have ever heard it said and you've listened to me very much. You've heard me say it and Andrew I've heard say it. But that God knows everything. There is never a moment that God doesn't know all things. Now, this is hard for us finite people to handle, but it's true. God knows all things. That means tomorrow he can't have a new thought because if he does, that means today there was something he didn't know. And see, this is the reason God's thoughts are higher than ours, so much higher than ours, his ways and his thoughts, his thoughts and his ways, so much higher than ours, as high as the heavens are above the earth. When God has a thought, it's already something that's been done, it's happening, or it's going to be done. To him, it's always something that's already been done. You need to understand it because to, to God all things, all things that will ever be are already done. Now, they have to be carried out. The proof of what I'm saying is the Bible tells us that the works were done before the foundation of the world. But yet Jesus had to come and carry them out. You and I were chose in Christ, chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world. But yet we had to be born of a man and a woman and into this sinful thing that we've become and then we had to be born again through faith in the one who came and declared the work finished from the place of the cross, his sacrifice. So God, doesn't, this doesn't say we're elect according to the forepicking of God, the forechoosing of God, although he did choose us, but he chose us in Christ. Those who are not chosen are those who chose not to believe in Christ. We know this is the way because this is the way God started his dealings with humanity in the Garden of Eden. Man had a choice. Man has a choice to either believe God or not believe God. Every human being has a choice. I've said it before that the only real choice men have is to to what they will trust in. That's really the only true choice men have. If we choose to trust in God through faith in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he did on Calvary's cross, then we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts, guiding us, strengthening us, comforting us. But if we choose not to believe in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sin nature rules and reigns and dominates us deceives us keeps us slain even if the christian turns away from calvary and starts accepting all these fads as though it's the power to keep us and to sanctify us which we'll see in the scripture that these things being offered by men today can't play a part in that at all all they can do is cause the sin nature to revive and slay deceive us and slay us romans chapter 7 verses 9 through 13 write it down read it later so God foreknew, God foreknew everything. Let's just go ahead and get that on the table. And God, again, his thoughts, he can't have a new thought. That means he's already known everything. Today he knows everything. If, if we can call the future in time after this age and the, just say there's trillions of trillions of light years even ahead of us, and in and, and time there will be. If time will even matter to us in the days ahead, I doubt it will. But let's just say, for the sake of, 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 of talking, of thinking out loud, if there are trillions of trillions of light years of time in the future, God has already been there, and everything that takes place there, it's already a done deal with him because he doesn't have new thoughts. He's God who knows all things at all times. And any questions we might have about that only prove the finiteness of our minds. That's all. That's all it proves. God has no beginning. That right there is enough to drive a man insane unless he believes it according to the word of God by faith. God has no beginning. God has no rival. God can't have a true enemy because nothing can even stand before him unless he allows it to. Nothing can resist him unless he set up a system for for anything to be able to resist him. Everything begins and ends with God and God has no beginning. That means God has no beginning of thoughts or ending of thoughts. God is God and God's thoughts have always been there and will always be there. He knows every single thing about every single thing and will in every single moment of every single moment throughout all eternity. He doesn't go to sleep and wake up with a new plan. Any plan that you find out about that God has in a 10,000 years from now, it was already in the mind of God. The Bible says he's mindful of us. And if he can't have a new thought... How long has he been mindful of us? Forever and forever. No no beginning. We've always been in the mind of God. See, we can't deal with those things. But God, when the Bible says he foreknew us, we're elected by grace through the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ according to what God foreknew. According to what God the Father foreknew, that means his knowledge before we even showed up before the world was even set in motion. We can't just say, well, two days before he started it all, well, he finally got it worked out. No, it was it's always been all worked out. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you begin to see how big your God is, to make a statement like that, it's always been always worked out. What we see beginning and ending has always been a done deal with the Lord. <laughs> now, it's got to be carried out according to his eternal plan and it is carried out jesus had to come be born of a virgin he had to live a sinless life he had to be he had to suffer at the hands of religious rulers to be able to save us from our sins he had to be crucified on a tree take our curse upon himself our sins upon himself our death upon himself hallelujah Aren't you so glad today? Glory be to God. So we're elected, Peter writes, and he's writing this letter for an encouragement to the, those who've been dispersed, those who've been exiled from their, their homeland, who are now, I mean, how many of you remember 2005, the, the Hurricane Katrina that hit our nation? and And just people were just washed away, literally. They didn't have anything except what they had on their bodies, and that wasn't much but just dirty, nasty, uh, horribly nasty clothes from being just washed away from everything they'd ever known. And and those people that that happened to, a lot of them live all over our nation now with never a forethought of leaving where they were. But now they're living, a lot of them are living respectable lives, working jobs, all over the nation. They were uh, dispersed. They Exile from their homeland. Now they could have went back, a lot of them, and some of them might have, but a lot of them didn't. Uh, didn't want to go back down there to that low spot in the earth where that's likely to happen again. Uh, but And that was a different scenario, but at the same time, uh, the, these Jews... They were going through what we might call the ringer. They were were being persecuted. When your family says, get out of here, you're no longer our family, that's got to do something devastating to the heart of man. We we know today a little bit about what they knew. I mean a minute little bit. We, we, uh, We know a little bit more of that when the Lord not only saved us, But when he got us back in functioning in a local church with a body of believers, we knew a little bit more of that uh, because of those who uh, say the things they do. And, you know, these people who refuse to do what the Bible tells them to do, they're really statements to us that you don't have to. and That does something to us. But even more so, the the, the criticism, and it's hard for me to call it persecution compared to, what we see written in the word in the early church, but the criticism and that some degree of persecution and the rejection begins to take place even among your own families when they don't understand and refuse to receive what you're believing about the cross of Christ, how it has to be the only object of faith, how the Holy Spirit doesn't work with, without your faith being in, the, within the perimeters of the cross of Christ, and, and that it can't just be a blanket statement. Well, I got saved. I'm a Christian by the blood of Jesus, but it has to be the... You're telling the Holy Spirit can't work in your life Without your faith in the death of Jesus. And let me say something. That means whatever your faith is in, you're participating in. Whatever your faith is in, you're participating in. And when and when family members, coworkers, friends, whatever, a lot of times church folk. When they see that the Lord has brought you back to their first love, your first love, meaning faith in the sacrifice where you began, and they're not willing to come, there's going to be some rejection. There's going to be some uh, friction in the relationships. When Paul began to write things like he's determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, that our God forbid we boast in anything other than the cross. That right there will cause no small stir in the hearts of religious people. And those who are refusing to to move that direction uh, are going to begin to cast stones and call names. So uh, there's some degree of dispersion there. And and you get called, you're the ones causing the division. You're the ones putting up walls. You won't participate with us uh, in our this or our that. And, And all these things happen. But And they're going to happen. And and, and this is the reason the Lord uses Peter to write this letter is because these Jews have been cast out. And again, just imagine being told, and countless numbers have been done this way throughout the last 2,000 years. They've been told, go away from us. You're not a part of us anymore. Even I've heard stories over the last 17 years, not just of Christians being cast away. Till we, don't, we Listen, we're not going that direction, so you just need to go your own way. Sons, daughters, Jesus said our enemies would be in our own house sometime. He did say that, didn't he? Yes, he did. But, but now when, when the Lord is bringing this message of the cross back into the church, this, this drawing his people back to his side, drawing his people back to their first love, and, and the more they are determined to know nothing but that and boast in nothing but that, and the more they allow him to see the scriptures written with the blood of the Lamb, then they're going to be criticized and, and, and dispersed. Well, I've even heard of ministers what I was getting to, I've even, I've been told stories of preachers, pastors telling people when they start talking about the cross all the time that you you might need to go over there to that church. That's where the, you might need to, uh, you know, you might need to, this might not be, our church might not be the best fit for you. I remember years ago when we were a few miles out here in the country in our really early days in Bloomberg, Texas, and, and we had a little community center we were meeting in to preach the message of the cross and begin our teachings of the Word of God in this context way back in 2005 and five and six, And right down the road, you could see it, down the road on the other side of the street, uh, there was a denominational church. I won't even give its name. But... A man showed up at our church one morning. Really, it was a African-American man. Uh, he showed up and told us. He said, I, I've been looking for the, uh, your church. You know, I went down here first because I didn't know where it was at, and this is just a community center. I, I went down there to that church, and, and there were men on the front porch, and when I got out of my car, they asked me, can we help you? Now get this now. Instead of come on in, Can I help you? You know, and and that's not even the, the amazing part. The amazing part is the man in the car, he got out of the car and he said, I'm looking for that cross preaching church. And the gentleman on the front porch pointed down to our church and said, that's that church down there on the other side of the road. What am I telling you this for? Because there is a dispersion taking a place now. There is a, a, a line being drawn now. There is a wake-up call going out now. And those who hear the one who's speaking from heaven are going to hear the same call that Moses came down the mountain and declared. Who's on the Lord's side? Who's going to repent and come back to their first love? Who's going to come back to the place where we can all be gathered together? Unto the Lord at the sacrifice of Christ. That's where we gather together. That's where we make a covenant with the Lord. Every other thing is not going to hold up in the scourging when it comes, when the flooding comes. Every other covenant's not going to stand, not going to hold up. So Peter writes to these dispersed Jews and to us even today because we're children of God who have been brought out of the world though still in the world we're out of the world but we're just no longer of the world but not only that but the lord has brought us back to our first love back to the place of sacrifice back to the place where we can learn to present our bodies living sacrifice unto him and that become our reasonable service hallelujah to the lamb glory be to god so We need what's written here. We need all the Word of God, but we need what's written here now because there's a line that's been drawn over the last 25 years, and it's been the same line that's been there during the whole church age period, but it's... Being seen more clearly now. Recognized more clearly now. And God is drawing, calling all of his people. Not just a few. He's calling all of his people. Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? To all 12 tribes. And you can read this in Exodus 32. But only a portion of one tribe came out. And to those small number of Levites, he gave the reward of tending to the things of the priesthood, the things pertaining to the sacrifice, the things pertaining to Christ, hallelujah. Praise be to God. So we'll get more into this next Friday morning. I'm just plumb excited about it and I'm looking forward to more of it. And uh, share these teachings on Facebook. I thank God for your comments, questions, I thank God for those of you who tune in or are a part of the teaching here. But be a greater part. Publish, publish, publish the Word of God. Publish the truth. Join us in God's reach through us to send the gospel to the lost and to a backslidden church that God is most definitely bringing home. Hallelujah. Uh, Don't forget tonight, 6 p.m., we're having a praise and worship service. It'll be broadcast live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. And uh, you don't want to miss Sunday morning's message, even if you have to watch it after uh, sometime. The message will be the continuity of Calvary, living in the moment. You're going to be blessed. Those of you who love the truth, You have a love for the truth. You will be blessed. If the Lord stirs your heart to be a blessing prayerfully or financially this ministry, please do so. We're not hurting for anything. God has given us all things in Christ Jesus. But the Lord stirs your heart maybe to sow into good ground where you're not just hearing the word, you're hearing the the avenue through which it can be applied to your heart, the words of righteousness. And I praise God for what he's doing here and what he's doing there in your life. And I believe today will be a great day that the Lord will impart into our hearts and touch our bodies, our minds, and everything about us. And I give him praise for that. You can sow financially into this ministry as you give an offering unto the Lord through this work of God here in Crossway Church by... Looking on the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. Praise God. Love every one of you. Don't forget to look on the website. Hit the store icon and the commentaries, the preaching CDs. Angel Peace has her music CD on there. You would be superbly blessed by it. Praise God. I love every one of you. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then. God bless you.